0: Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to the That's the A-M-A-I shop.com for
1: special offers and to learn more about the Amai family.
0: I'm pretty excited about today's episode, mainly because it represents a small victory for me stepping outside of my comfort zone and challenging myself to accept the possibility of rejection. My next guest is the perfect example of what we as Caribbean women can achieve, excelling at a high level not only at home but also abroad. Needless to say, I was not rejected and Dr. Joanne Martin, a fellow physical therapist who I admire, said yes to my request. Oh, and I cannot forget to mention that Dr. Martin hails from the land of flying fish, cuckoo, cropover, and megastar Rihanna. Yes, beautiful Barbados. Additionally, this podcast is also about representation, and according to statistics from the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs, as of 2020, there were a total of 9.08 million migrants from the Caribbean living outside their home country with the United States being the top destination for Caribbean immigrants. Therefore, it would be remiss of me not to highlight someone who represents our Caribbean diaspora. Meet Dr. Joanne Michelle Martin. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Caribbean Booth Stories. It is my great pleasure to have Dr. Joanne Martin here with me. Um, So welcome, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. So we're going to go straight into it. Um, I just want to know, as you know, as a young woman growing up in Barbados, um, what what were your thoughts on having children? Did you even think about having children when you were younger?
1: Oh yeah, I've always wanted a family. I um I've always wanted a family. I always suspected I was gonna have kids at some point. Um so right. it was never it was never an issue of <clears throat> whether or not I was gonna mm-hmm. have kids per se. It was just a matter of when.
0: Right. Okay. And did you have like preconceived notions about pregnancy and motherhood versus the reality of what it is right now?
1: Not with regards to pregnancy. I um is interesting because when my Mother was pregnant with my sister. My sister is 13 years younger than me. So my mom um, and my mom had actually just lost a pregnancy the year prior. I was about 11. Oh,
0: right. um,
1: and then then she had my sister and she had horrible morning sickness, like uh, horrible, like, uh, you know, and she actually that was a twin pregnancy, too. So my sister, okay. was, you know, and then she lost the boy <clears throat> second into third trimester. Um, but horrible morning sickness, probably down to like the third trimester. Wow. So that was what I saw. But yes, Mm -hmm. that being said, I'd seen tons of other pregnancies. I competed for Barbados and I had teammates, one of them who happened to be my cousin. And she was still training with the national team up until she was five months pregnant. And that Mm. was pretty much par for the course with a lot of the athletes. As long as they felt good, they kept training. So right. there really wasn't a oh well when you get pregnant you can do this and you can do that because there was a sense of wellness and well being with regards to pregnancy that I saw. Yes, and it wasn't it wasn't the way it's purported to be here in the U.S.
0: So right. So what did your journey to motherhood look like?
1: Um, like my mother, I had that horrible morning sickness. So my first pregnancy. Right. Um, When we found out that I was pregnant, it it was rough. Oh, Lord, it was rough. Um, Lots of morning sickness. I, like I said, pretty much threw up from the day we found out we were pregnant till the day we delivered her. Um, Oh, wow. But I had, but in there I had, coming on to the end, I had spurts of feeling okay. I still coach, I try to stay as active as possible, although in the beginning it was very, very hard. The first probably four months or so, like it was all I could do to try to stay awake. Um, right. I was constantly exhausted. I was constantly, um, I was just constantly fatigued, constantly nauseated. Just didn't, just didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that started to improve. But I, I coached volleyball as well, so mm-hmm. I kept, I kept coaching. I stayed in the gym. That was, that was just, and it, and it was my happy place too. So that yeah. gave me a sense of wellness and well being. Um, even after she was born, I kept coaching. Um, okay. And I stopped coaching then two seasons after she was born, because that's when we found out we were pregnant with her, her brother. Okay. Um, and I wasn't as I was sick, of probably four or five months with that pregnancy. It wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stayed active with him as well. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. The you know delivery wise was fine, even with this child. I mean, I, I my season for volleyball just ended. In June, the end of June, right? I was coaching all year, um, you know, still working, running a business, taking care of two little kids. So so it's now it's just like, well, you got stuff to do. Just you know, it is what it is. And Mm. you know, if I need some downtime, I take some downtime. And you know, they're old enough; they're very helpful. Thank God, thank goodness. And you Mm -hmm. know, so I, I would say I've I've been very, very blessed Um, as far as deliveries go. I, my deliveries were pretty much uneventful it right. was like oh contractions let's have a baby here here they are right well that's good There wasn't there wasn't very you know so and I usually tell people like you see a lot of I said if people watch
0: tv and thought that that was what pregnancy was nobody would ever have kids right this so, is true this is true but um so even though you lived abroad did you still get advice from say like Aunts, uncles, family members like Beijing advice with respect to things you should and shouldn't do while you were pregnant. Mm-hmm.
1: So <laughs> I, I am Beijing, and I'm married to into a Guyanese family. So okay, everybody has an opinion. <laughs> um, so when I had my daughter with the morning sickness, for example, mm-hmm. everybody, oh, you need to drink ginger. Oh yes. You need to take a little ginger tea. I'm like, I cannot drink ginger tea. What how you mean you can't drink What what parts of I can't drink ginger tea? Y'all don't understand. <laughs> and and nobody like nobody's listening to me. Nobody cares what my thoughts are, what I'm, you know. Typical Western, you yes. need to listen to wisdom. You need to listen yes. to the old people.
0: They know what they're saying. Yeah,
1: Including the men. I'm like, have you ever been pregnant? Why are you having this conversation with me? <laughs> so everybody's, you need to take a little, gin- drink a little ginger ale. And I, one day just to appease family,
0: I had right. the ginger
1: ale. And from the time I drank the ginger ale, I was in the bathroom throwing up. i said let that let it be known this is the last time (laughs) the last that y'all tell me anything um then and um oh my gosh and then my neighbor is jamaican love her, (laughs) love her so when i was pregnant with the second one and i had a horrible morning sickness she said you need to eat some biscuits i'm like you're not giving me them dry, dry. meat. Yes. I was like no oh, I and, I the, and I look at her and I'm trying to be defiant you know no I, I ain't eating them no I, and I vex she look at me she said, you're done now here now go home am I and eat them and I was like okay <laughs> cause, cause I'm not gonna win this
0: argument no, no and every
1: no. day she called you eat them I'm like why are you Boy. calling me <laughs> Are you calling me? Oh, so did you try them though? I did. That got awful. Got awful. Mm-hmm. Didn't really make much of a difference.
0: No, no. My husband is Jamaican as well. And I don't, I've never had, I've never been able to swallow one of those water crackers. Yeah. Like, awful. awful. I know my listeners that are Jamaican, no offense, but I just can't, I can't. So I understand. You know what made me
1: happy when I was pregnant? <laughs> Salt fish and i
0: and Kalaloo.
1: Like if you want to give me those things, I'm yeah. happy. You want to go with them nasty crackers? <laughs> I'm not having it.
0: Okay, so you had an uneventful delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, but how about post Like after the first one, did that surprise you? Were there any challenges? It was um, just overwhelming. It mm-hmm. was a little bit overwhelming with her.
1: My my daughter had um, a little bit of reflux early on, right. and so okay. she was a crier. She cried like the first several weeks. She just cried, cried, cried. So it was just mm-hmm. frustrating. It was fatiguing. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Um. By the time she's about two and a half months, so she was fine. With my okay. second, I had postpartum depression.
0: Right. Which is,
1: I'm a huge advocate. For now, and mm-hmm. it's not something that we talk about. We tend to stigmatize any type of mental health issues. Yeah. We tend to we tend to try to normalize the postpartum period so much that it's as though women should push out a baby and then be ready to cater to the, the needs of everyone else. everyone. Around. Uh-huh. And it, and one, it's not reality. And two, you know, I tell people all the time: if there's a loved one in your life, friend, family member, whatever, and mm-hmm. they just delivered a baby please do not go to their home trying to spark conversation or to be social. You can call them on the phone for that. If you're Mm -hmm. not going to their house to cook, clean, do something meaningful, don't go. Nobody wants you playing with their child and up in their child's face. Mm -hmm. So, like, do something meaningful. Call to check on them. See how they are doing. See how Mm -hmm. they're... Because the thing is, the other thing, everybody checks on the baby. Yeah. Like, I, and that took a little bit of getting used to... I mean, and granted, the, I felt fine. Physically, I felt fine. I recovered well. It was great. Okay. But everybody called and how the baby. the baby? I'm like, and one day I got so pissed off because I was just I was just in one of those moods. And I was like, why the hell are you calling me asking me about this child? I good. Like, <laughs> I good and so yeah and they're like you all right I'm like no I'm not no. all right everybody calling here asking me for this bloody child how you think the child go be all right the child can't be all right if I ain't all right
0: <laughs> so- exactly and I mean we laugh but it's so true It's yeah. so true. it's and- very
1: commonplace it's very commonplace to kind of you know stick those stick these these sigmas on women and and then also to just make the assumption that all is going to all is supposed to be well and yes. we need to really take, bear in mind the circumstances because then again, like being here in the U S you know, our family, our, our family that's here in the U S is not in Atlanta. They're okay. up in New York, you know, newing, um, you know, tri-state areas, you know, Connecticut, New Jersey, we got some right. um, Delaware, Maryland, those types of places. And so essentially you're here alone. Mm-hmm until you know they come or whatnot and so as far as support system you really have to be diligent in creating your own right creating your own support system creating the structure who are the people to have around you who is going to be your tribe essentially to get you through this process
0: yes yeah um and so during that period you talk about having postpartum after your second pregnancy Mm -hmm. how did you get through that like what were the things specific things that you did to help you? I ended up
1: leaving here and going home. I I ended up leaving and going to Barbados for about two and a half months. I just wow. I was like I can't I I don't think I can do this here and I left and went home. Um, and my mom and my sister were there, but even even on days when they weren't in the house, because a it was home, two it was familiar. Yes. There was there was still a sense of. Calm, there wasn't as much overwhelm, there wasn't as right. much angst, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I had people that came and checked on me all the time and, you know, right. it, it just it it really did help a lot. There was a lot that I just
0: did not have to worry about and think about. Yes. Um, I could just be. Mm-hmm. OK. Um. And as a mother of multiple children, so and. For our viewers and listeners, Joanne is pregnant. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, as a mother of multiple children, how has the experience of giving birth changed you as a person, if it has?
1: Um, I, I don't know if so much it's that that has changed me versus just a normal trajectory of time and, and you know, so on. But I do think that being a mom, I will say has. Um you know, I love my my kids to pieces. And I, I think I've, everybody tends to tell me I'm a huge mother bear, but, you know, I, I'm i very, I try, it, I'm very involved in what they do. Um, it just, I think it's made me a lot more diligent. It's also made me a lot keener and aware of those within this community, and it was one of the reasons that kind of spearheaded my journey, career-wise, into specializing in pelvic health like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, one because the just knowing that there are a lot of people who are completely unaware, and I was like, if if I you know had dealt with prolapse issues after I had my kids, and if I had um, you know postpartum depression after my kids, and I deal with this on a regular. Yeah. You know, and I know resources. I have people I can call. Mm-hmm. What's to say for the people that don't have a coach? Yeah. No. What's to say for the people that they don't know what their next step should be? Um. Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of put a fire under me to, to be more involved in the birthing community. Yes. I'm very, very glad that I that I have been.
0: So so as a physical therapist, though, what was the impact because you said these things happened to you, and you had the resources um, and the information, but do you think being a physical therapist helped you in any way during your pregnancy and even in the postpartum period? Does
1: oh yeah. Did that have an impact? Okay. I mean, I mean, and i I'd always worked with pregnant and postpartum women. I, you know, from the time I've been a, a clinician now for over fourteen years, and oh. it, you know, even coming straight out of PT school, I was working with pregnant and postpartum women. So there was a lot that I knew. I think right. also, though, because I was also very active,
0: mm-hmm. I tried to stay yeah. as
1: active as possible. Like, you know, I my one of my kids that I coached when I was pregnant with my daughter coaches for the same club I coach for now. And she tells the kids, did you know that this was my coach? <laughs> and we joke and laugh. And she was like, because they were leaving for a national qualifier. I was at practice on Thursday." we were supposed to leave on Friday to go to Kentucky uh-huh. for a three day qualifier. And my baby was due the following Friday. And I said, no, I'm not going. And they were like, why? I said, I told you guys, like the baby's <laughs> coming soon and you just never know. And I said, and plus my child is not going to be born in the middle of the road. So they were like, okay, literally I had my daughter that Sunday. So we came, we uh-huh. got out of practice. We had practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday got out of practice when, um Thursday night. I had my daughter Sunday afternoon. Crazy. And they're like, how is she here already? I said, I told you, you know? And so like, but but staying active and being in, even just mentally being in that community. Yeah. You know, it was, it, it, was, it did a lot for me. It did yes. a whole lot for me. Yeah.
0: So, and, you know, you talk about your specialty in women's health, pelvic floor therapy. Mm-hmm. Um what would you give an expectant, what advice would you give an expectant mother right now listening regarding pelvic, her pelvic floor in the postpartum period? So, you know, things that maybe she could look out for, um, you know, anything that your experience has brought to your attention.
1: I would actually say don't wait until the postpartum period start during Mm -hmm. pregnancy. I had one Mm -hmm. new patient that came in this morning and she was like, Oh my God, I wish I, I wish somebody would have told me I got to come see you during pregnancy. Yeah. Um, because literally she walked into my office with such anxiety. She was afraid to move. Right. And she started moving and she was like, I can do that. That's okay. I'm like, absolutely. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I think even knowing that women can be seen during pregnancy, knowing Mm -hmm. that you know, you do not have to suffer with pain the entirety of your pregnancy. A lot of women exactly. just think pain is par for it's the cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like I will have back pain. I will have hip pain. Everything is supposed to hurt because I'm pregnant. Yeah. That's just what it is. And that's not true. That couldn't be further from the truth. And mm-hmm. so, you know, helping women to be aware of that. The other thing is, um, you know, on once they've had the baby, helping them to be aware of the, the people that they need At that time, you need to see a pelvic floor therapist. You need to see a lactation consultant. And I always tell people, see the lactation consultant while you're pregnant. Everybody assumes, I will see the lactation consultant when I have problems. But if you see the lactation consultant during pregnancy, at least for one consultation, there is so much that can be cleared up and so much information that you can get that will help you in that postpartum period.
0: Um, I definitely echo that sentiment. Definitely.
1: seeing So seeing a lactation consultant. Um, and then, uh, you know, in addition to that, I usually will tell people, I know they're in the Caribbean and in other cultures, there is this sense of that maternal postpartum confinement period. Mm -hmm. You don't do anything. You know, the old people come and they wash you down and they night you and they rub you with everything under the sun, everything. Um, (laughs) And they make you tea and, you know, they do all these things and then you nurse the baby and they cook for you and all these things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I usually encourage moms to move, get up, even if all you did was walk around, you know, maybe you walk for five minutes Yes, say you walk for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking, when I say walk, I'm not talking about a brisk walk. I'm talking about just -hmm. just walking to move, you know, try to kind of find your stride Um, just because it's so helpful. It's helpful because we're starting to realign things. Mm -hmm. We're starting to get muscles moving, ligaments stretching, muscles stretching, things of that sort. We're starting to build up your endurance um, because oftentimes people don't do anything And they're like, I'm just going to lay here. But when Mm -hmm. you're laying down and literally I've had people who I have seen and all they have done for at least two to four weeks after they had a baby is be in bed.
0: Oh, wow. Because
1: they were told you can't do anything after pregnancy. That puts you at risk of blood clots. Correct. Right. It puts you up. I mean, you're going to get weaker for every day. There's a saying that we have for every day that you lie in bed, you lose a week's worth of strength, right? You think right. of people yes. who go into the hospital when they're ill. they're on bed rest or something like that. They're they're consistently losing strength. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what's going to happen. So you want to start with gentle movement. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to be upright. Things may not necessarily feel the greatest, but you want to be upright because you want to facilitate that proper posture, that proper alignment. When you're starting to do this because, oh, I can't hold up because if I hold up, my belly go hurt. Or if I hold up, this will happen then use, use the wall, go stand and Mm -hmm. lean against the wall. If you can't stand by yourself, use some support, Um, you know, but things of that sort, Um, Mm -hmm. just really trying. And and then the biggest thing that I will tell people too, is nutrition. Your nutrition Mm -hmm. is key. And I tend to be very holistic minded in my practice. Your nutrition is key. Warm foods, whole foods,
0: Right. so like, you know, no,
1: don't. If it comes in a box, you really box don't get it. Foods, Yeah. So mm-hmm. like for all of my West Indian, like I know we love soup with plenty dumpling and everything in it. But really, we just want the broth to start and then you mm-hmm. can add on a million and one dumplings yes. and all the other things. But just really getting those rich and nourishing foods in your system.
0: Yeah. Agreed. That's great advice. And You know, so you. I've been looking at you. I've been following you for a while. So let me just give you a quick history because when I was actually in lockdown in Trinidad um, Mm -hmm. during the first COVID um, pandemic lockdown, and I was there for maybe five months and trying to figure out how I was going to practice and not be able to go into a clinic physically. So you were uh, a guest, I believe, on... um, I can't remember her name, maybe Jessica Reel's um, IG or something. Mm -hmm. And it was like maybe three or four of you guys talking about telehealth, right? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I mean, this is the power of representation, John. because I looked at you and I was like, oh, she's like me, you know, and she's doing what I want to be doing. And this is just great. I was just so inspired. I literally... Whatever it was, we had to pay. I paid it and I joined. Oh, it was free. I don't know. I can't remember now, but I joined. And I. after that, I was just sold. I was like, okay, this is possible. You know, COVID is here. It's probably going to change the world for a while, which it clearly is doing. Um, And you were like a forerunner in seeing how we can navigate this. And I mean, you've been around for a while, but it was my first introduction to you. And I was just so impressed and just so inspired and then when I found out you're from the Caribbean I'm like oh my god I just have to get you on the podcast because this is just the power of representation which is what I want to do for the women and you know the parents of the Caribbean region Mm -hmm. so um so thank you thank you for that um and then I just wanted to ask as well you talk about your your birth doula
1: yeah i'm also a birth doula and a birth doula trainer so Mm -hmm. i I can't get away from the birth space um so i I support women um though with covid i hadn't done a lot of in person and now i'm pregnant so i i'm not supporting any births until early next year but um Mm -hmm. i i do i've been doing a lot of virtual support i've been doing a lot of preparation for pregnancy um versus just being there in the hospital but typically my practice involves that so whether it's childbirth education um comfort measures preparation and I do a lot I love partnered support I think it's one thing to educate the mom or the birthing parent I -hmm. think it's very important though that we get the partners involved yeah, I think it's very important. I think all too often the partners tend to be very, a lot of the partners that I've met tend to be very shy and timid and kind of pull back a little bit. And it's like, yes. oh, you need to be in the trenches. Yes. You need to be in here. You Because when the pain hits her, you need mm-hmm. to know what to do. Like, I'm coming when right. we get to the hospital. But yes. before we get there, like, I need you to, you know, And so I enjoy doing that with families Um, and I'll do home visits. I'll come into the house, see how everything is set up. Like we look at, you know, things that they can do, you know, ways to make mom comfortable, all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, again, being in wherever they're birthing, whether it's home, the hospital birthing center, being there to support them during that time through the birth. So I really, really enjoy that. And I also teach um, as well and train other doulas.
0: Yeah. So. I know like in the caribbean having a doula is now like catching on mm-hmm. in popularity um but i just for me from my experience i wish i had one i didn't have one and in retrospect i'm like i don't know why i didn't have one because i needed that person mm-hmm. um to just advocate for me and like you said my husband god bless his soul but when i was in pain And I was like, no, do not do that. He didn't really know what to do instead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's so important. And um, yeah, I think that's just great that you've, you know, not just um, merged, I don't know if it's that you merged professions, but you've been able to kind of encompass many different facets of pregnancy and booting into your practice, which is just phenomenal. Um, And then just, in closing because I don't want to take all of your time up but I just want to hear from you um, possibly um, a song that you can think of that represents your journey so you know your journey of pregnancy your journey of booting and parenthood
1: oh my gosh that's interesting. I don't think there's one song. I was, okay. it's so funny you said this. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and mm-hmm. I said, I said, you know, the, we got, we got to have the pregnancy playlist. Yes. And, and we're going to play a little bit. So we ready. we ready. <laughs> right. Cause you're ready. You're getting ready to get this baby. Yes. Yes. And then, you know. And and then you go have um and, and you probably could play like a little bit of palance or something like that, and you know, because yes, yes. you're hype. But then you start to get tired, right? Mm-hmm. You're tired. Oh you know, Jesus, this child ain't come yet. So now it's like when you crop over and you chip, chip, chipping out we chipping <laughs> out chip right? Because <laughs> right? you, you you're still trying to go, you're tired, but you ain't want to give up, right? Right. right and then right. and then when the baby come, you know, how who sang that song? I forget. I think, was it Rupi that sang that? And we now go. Oh, no. Home. Um, Biggie Irie. Or oh, Biggie Irie. Yes. I, yes. I think Biggie we're Irie. now going home. You're, you're, you're yes. tired. You're tired, but you ain't, you're still in giving up. Right. So I think, like, I and she started laughing. I was like, yes, that's legit going to be my playlist right there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. That's how it starts off. You hype, mm-hmm. then you get tired, but you're still trying to keep it moving. Yes. And then,
0: you know, so. Okay, that's fantastic. That's really good. So I don't know if you want to say I know um, you have a really great practice in Atlanta. So feel free to tell our audience so they can follow you. I'll also put your information in the description box below. This is just an opportunity to just spread and spread and spread awareness of pelvic floor, you know, women's health issues. So tell me about your practice.
1: Absolutely. So I am in Atlanta, in the Atlanta metro area. My office is in Duluth, Georgia. um, And I see adults and children. So men and women. I also see children for pelvic floor conditions. So while I do a lot in the birth space, my practice isn't necessarily limited to birth because I see a lot of postpartum clients who are also dealing with, you know, the effects of birth, um, diastasis issues, chronic pelvic pain, neurological issues and trauma I see mm-hmm. a lot of clients for sexual dysfunction as well. Yes, men- I was going to mention that. Mm-hmm. You do, you do. Both men and women who are, mm-hmm. whether they've had kids or not, right? Because there's one thing, you know, sex after baby is totally a thing. Um, but, but also those who've never had kids, who've never been pregnant, who are dealing with sexual dysfunction and sexual issues. So I see the, I see the whole gambit of pelvic floor issues. Um, Mm -hmm. I also see clients virtually. So I see clients here in the office. I do home visits for those within my immediate vicinity in within my County. And then I also do virtual consultations. I'm licensed in six States here. Um, and then I see clients internationally as well. I have quite a few of those, um, Yeah. And then there's the birth doula work. So I, right now I've been doing a lot of teaching. I've got a training coming up for clinicians on this weekend, actually, um, which is a doula training, but it's geared to clinicians. So it's a little bit more getting into some of the nuances of when you are having a client that may be having musculoskeletal issues, you know, Mm -hmm. how do we how do we problem solve that versus, yeah. you know, the lay person who may not be familiar with as many of those things. Um, yeah. Then next weekend um, I have another training and that's going to be more lay people that is in conjunction with the national black Doula association who I teach for. Um, and just, we're, you know, just spreading the word, especially what I love about their mission is that they, they represent marginalized communities and mm-hmm. that everything is geared towards trying to increase presence, increase awareness, um, and, and improve birth within marginalized communities. So whether it's minority communities, um, LGBTQ communities, whatever, communities with disabilities, which is another community that I advocate for, whether it's intellectual disabilities or physical, um, we really advocate for that. And so I'm just honored to be a part of that group. Um, the CEO of that Company, um, Tracy Collins is absolutely amazing. So shout out to her. Um, and then you can find me pretty, pretty much anywhere. Website, jmmhealthsolutions.com Instagram at the pelvic perspective, Facebook. I do tend to go there every now and again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, this has been great. And I just you need to when are you like going to take a break before your birth for your baby? Are you what? going to take a break?
1: No. Uh, No break. Okay, Okay. no (laughs) problem. Listen, I've already told my midwife. I said I might call you to the office. She was like, "You you need to stop." I was like, "Well, I might." You know, I mean, because if the baby doesn't come on Sunday when she's due, she's not compliant. (laughs) I got. I'll be here (laughs) Monday. So I mean, I can't. I can't hold up life because she just doesn't want to come out. We we got to do, and so. But you are a mess I'm like I'll call you though like so if I tell you I'm at the office just don't go to the house just come to <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen but it just goes to show when you're living your purpose and your passion it doesn't feel like work because I don't feel like sure if it felt like work you would be like oh I'm on vacation I'm going on maternity leave next month or whatever
1: yeah. no like I, I, mean, I enjoy it I'm, I'm excited about, and it's so interesting because my husband and I said, if we didn't have a baby by 2020, that we would be done, right? We shutting down shop right. But apparently right. God was like, you know, 2020 never really happened. So here you go. Correct. yes <laughs> he 20, he he 2021. here's <laughs> 2021. And so, but I'm I'm really excited about this little one. Mm-hmm. and kind of all that she's being born into into and yeah. and just like like listen we got we we got things to do you you yeah. you know and she's gonna be you know female i i want and i my daughter now i tell her all the time like i don't i don't i don't feel like i work hard <laughs> but i mean to. i don't i don't feel like i because i love what i do so i don't right. i don't feel like it's i don't feel like it's like you said i don't feel like it's work
0: Mm-hmm. I don't feel
1: like it's like, oh, my God, I got to go do this again. Uh, yes. like, yeah. I don't feel that way at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I created my practice, so that's part of it. But, yeah. but you know, but I want her to see that. And, and for mm-hmm. me, a lot of this is legacy building. It's yes. showing my kids, you know, if there's something you're passionate about, I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Go after it. Yes. Go after it. Go do it. Put your all into it. So mm-hmm. what if you change tomorrow? Worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. But today, go full force.
0: Yeah, So just, just wonderful. All right. Well, I wish you all the best. Um, A safe delivery, healthy baby. And um, I'm sure I'm going to be seeing lots and lots of you because, like I said, I'm an avid follower. And um, I'm just really inspired. So thank you for joining and agreeing thank to thank be a part you. of this. All thank right. you so much. You're most welcome. Thank you. Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai
1: Birth Collection. Head over to TheAmaiShop.com, that's the A-M-A-I shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast, and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes.